0: Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 1st, the Decoding the Social Maze edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch, Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
1: I'm Zach Rosen. I make a different show. It's called the Best Advice Show podcast. And I live in Detroit with my family. I'm dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two.
2: I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer and contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column. I'm also mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in L.A.
0: Well, today on the show, we have an eighth grader who's being pressured to meet up with the popular girl. He fears he's getting set up and has been turning down opportunities to hang out with his friends because of it. We're also going to touch base on our week in parenting, and if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're going to be talking about an interesting piece called Parenting Advice from Child-Free New Yorkers. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus.
1: One that I liked is from this person named Raquel. They say, with teenagers, there comes a time when anything you say will be immediately rejected. The only way you can be effective is by asking them questions and helping them know what they think. You can help them think for themselves, which I Mm -hmm. like, like you know dad that's such a dumb idea um that's harder to say when you're just asking questions
0: as a slate plus member you'll get a whole bonus segment every week plus you get to listen to all your favorite slate podcasts ad free it's truly the best way to listen and the best way to support the show you can sign up for slate plus now at slate.com mom and dad plus all right we're gonna jump into triumph and fails as soon as we get back from this short break So, Jamila, what have you been up to this week?
2: So, for the past few months, Naima's been on this really intense rehearsal schedule for... It was a school-wide performance, and it was a tribute to Black culture. I guess it was originally planned for Black History Month, but they ended up pushing it back. And there were like 14 acts, and... She was in 6 of them and it was just this oh massive 2-hour show and the rehearsals were like crazy and like some days the kids had to be brought back to school for rehearsal and then picked up in the evening as opposed to like just staying after school so it was like a thing. She made it through this really intense grueling schedule, you know, which also coincided with her dance rehearsals for dance. She's taking dance classes and they have a performance coming up too. And she made it. We made it through three nights of performances. It was Tuesday. Well, they did. They did eight shows. They did. They Whoa. performed. This is a two-hour show. They did eight shows in four days. Whoa! You know, like
1: it's like a Broadway, like a Broadway schedule. Broadway She's ready. You know, that's more intense. Yeah. Than, the
2: um, they did. Five during the day for their classmates and then they did um, three shows at night, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and I even had to be picked up like from after school at five brought back to school at five twenty, and then picked up from the show because parents were only allowed to purchase tickets for one night which other parents totally did not do like i found out that other parents just were like whatever and bought multiple tickets but i was trying to follow the rules because <laughs> you know i knew it was a small auditorium and they wanted all the families to be able to see the kids and there were a ton of kids in the show you know and she did the show, and it was so great, and she was really proud of herself. She danced, she did poetry, she sang, it was just amazing. It was really something.
1: What were some highlights?
2: Um, they did, uh, let's see, Funky Good Time by James Brown, and they did, oh, the first graders, this wasn't her class, but some of the first graders did Beyonce's Homecoming, and it was the <gasps> cutest little thing. They had little play oh instruments gosh. and sunglasses and berets and they were dressed like a little marching band. It was really really something.
0: Does she feel really good about
2: it? She does. Okay. I'm so this sounds really awesome.
1: Do you think she's going to become a theater kid?
2: I would love for Naima to become a theater kid, you know, I would really, I think she's got the chops, you know, like, I think it'd be really good for her, even though most of this show was dance, I just think that, like, what she's learned from doing these really elaborate dance productions, you know, is, like, giving her some experience to, like, what a theater production is about. Yeah, that stage presence. I would love for her to more. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Zach, how about your week?
1: I think Shira and I are are in this... This constant thing, uh, and you might be the same, where you think about life, and it's great. And then sometimes it's tough. And, and there's this kind of persistent question of just, what's the point? What's the point of all this? That must have rubbed off on Noah to some degree, because she decided recently that she wants to invent a holiday. Oh. Um, and she wants to celebrate this holiday and observe it. And she wants to include her family. She wants to do it every year. And she's going to call this holiday Silly Baby. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, still not clear why it's called Silly Baby, but that's pretty wholesome. Pretty cute name for Silly Baby. And so we ran with it. She's like, I want to do Silly Baby. And so we're like, great. We're going to do Silly Baby on Sunday. And so we recently celebrated our first, our inaugural Silly Baby Uh in which there's a focus on food and family. This is all dictated by Noah. There's a focus on food and family. And each year, there will be a theme to the food. And so this year, the theme was lasagna. Uh, And so I made lasagna. And Shira and Noah made a lasagna dessert, this kind of beautiful layered key lime pie lasagna thing, Noah's cousin and with with her mom, my sister made an Oreo layered thing. And so we had like three beautifully decadent layered lasagna dishes. Grandparents came over, cousins came over, and we celebrated silly baby. And I gotta say, I mean, what's not to like about anything that I just mentioned? It was fantastic. And now we have like this new this new family tradition, silly baby, and Noah is hoping that it will like catch on and that you know other yeah. other folks start to celebrate silly baby, which we encourage you to do. Um, there's really no rules other than do something fun, involve people that you love, and make some good food. So, happy silly baby to both of you.
0: Did you go ahead and mark it on the calendar for next year? Like in your Google calendar?
1: Oh, you better believe it. Yeah. 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 It's a thing now. It's time for, prepare
0: for Silly
2: Baby. It's time for Silly Baby. Yeah. (laughs) I love this. Yeah. Did Noah give Silly Baby remarks? Yeah.
1: (laughs) She sang. She, oh my God. She just, she improvised this like beautiful ballad. It was incredible.
2: About
0: Uh, Silly Baby or just? just, Yeah, I think it was
1: kind of stream of consciousness. (laughs) But it was about like her family and um cartwheels and yeah it was it was oh very good God. it was very sweet yeah. yeah i love everything Maybe. about this <laughs> it, it was it was incredible and and made life feel very meaningful All
2: right, i think everyone. silly baby has potential
0: i agree yeah, yeah. Milla, you and i have to celebrate it and then <laughs> we look
2: are you lasagna
0: yeah <laughs> <and laughs> i was <laughs> in at the lasagna theme
1: <laughs> i had you at yeah. lasagna huh
0: that's hysterical
1: yeah how about you liz
0: um, You've been oh having my gosh. quite an adventure. Well, I just, you know, when you spend two weeks without basically internet with your family, there's just a lot that goes on. But um, so I'll have a, a few stories to tell from this trip, but I'm going to take for my first one a big old triumph. So we were on a two week trip to Peru. The first half, we were on the Amazon River. The second half, um, we were in the Sacred Valley in the mountains, which included a hike to uh, Machu Picchu. Unbelievable. And we had decided there's a four or five day hike, but there's also a it's called a two day hike. But it's really like you hike the first day and then you stay overnight um, at like a hotel. And then the second day you go into Machu Picchu. And just to understand what a terrible idea this was, uh, Dan Kois and I were exchanging some text messages and he said to me, I feel like even by your standards, this is impressive slash insane, Um, (laughs) which really (laughs) summed up the idea, which was that my mother, my sister, Jeff and I and Henry and Oliver would get off the train and hike the 7.5 miles, which is mostly uphill, almost completely stone stairs. Um, oh my you are in the mountains, so you're already at like eight, 9000 feet, and you're going up even higher. Now we do live in Colorado at about that altitude. Uh, but we had been on the river at basically sea level for a week, so had lost a lot of our um, altitude adjustment, we did stay in town to get all of that, but it was still quite the challenge. Meanwhile, my father and Teddy were going to stay on the train for the rest of the journey, get off and get themselves to this hotel, which sounds like fine, except that my dad is getting older and Teddy is Teddy. So on top of like being worried about the hike... I was, like, terrified that Teddy would, like, is he going to run away? Is he going to throw a fit? Like, my dad really can't. If he runs away, my dad can't catch him. Like, we're in this foreign country. My sister and I speak enough Spanish. Uh, my dad and Teddy speak no Spanish. Like, the, just just all those sort of logistics you guys, my kids were freaking fantastic. Yes. Um, Teddy, we rehearsed kind of the plan. When you get off, you're going to be met by Oscar from the hotel, and he's going to help you with your bags. Grandpa needs to have his book bag. You need to have your book bag. And then they had all of our luggage. You need to have the one suitcase. And he was like practicing. You know, we were like, you can be the last ones off the train. And he just like, I mean, my dad obviously could do all of this as well, but. Teddy, like, knew what to do. He was so great. They had to hang out. The hike took us about six hours at the end of the day, so they had six hours, just them at the hotel, um, With and we could only bring, like, tiny bags, so he had, you know, like, a magnetic chessboard and a workbook and was, like, great. He They ordered lunch. They just did all the things. My dad was, like, he was awesome. He listened to me, so that was great, and of course, I had no way of knowing, because we had no internet connection, that they had made it and were fine. I just had to trust Meanwhile, my two kids on the hike, they did not complain once. We hiked 6 hours uphill, not a single complaint. Henry and Oliver were way up front. They were happy to wait when we needed to wait for the rest of our group cuz we there are these like checkpoints and the porters were carrying our extra water and lunch and stuff, so we had to like wait and refill bottles. They were engaged. They were we we hiked through all these Inca ruins and I was just thinking like the goal is just to have them do this and if if you know, they don't learn anything. That's okay. They're learning just by being there. Every viewpoint, they were like, this is amazing. And like looking at stuff and just the two of them walked up front talking and singing with each other. It was, now listen, the next day was a total disaster. They were, <laughs> they had used up every, <laughs> every ounce of good behavior, but the day was, it, it was just so, so fantastic. So I, it's just nice to know that despite all like chaos and these crazy plans that sometimes the things like, really pan out we got beautiful pictures they as they came through the gate were all like you know normally kids are just like whatever what's the next thing they were like this is amazing is that machu picchu like Mm, it was it was so great um so yeah go do hard things with your kids it's okay it's gonna be okay
1: yes (laughs)
2: that's awesome
0: (sighs) well on that note we're gonna take another quick break and then we'll see you back here for our listener question All right. We're back and ready to hear today's listener question. Dear mom and dad, I'm looking for advice for my eighth grade son. He went to the smallest elementary school in our district and has been at the middle school for two years. He has a wide net of acquaintances, but not many close friends. I noticed he's been turning down invitations and per- prefers to stay home a lot. My husband spoke to him last night and he confided that the popular girl has her eye on him and her friends are constantly contacting him and trying to force him to meet up with her. He wants nothing to do with girls, so when his friends want to go bike riding or to the local mall, etc., he's fearing a setup. I think he's afraid if he turns this girl down, he'll be labeled as gay or face some other harassment from the girl squad. We're not a homophobic family, but lots of kids his age still use it as a slur. Unfortunately, I do not know any of the parents or the girls in question. Thanks navigating the social maze.
2: What do you guys think? Hmm, this is tricky. You know, I may be controversial, I would I don't want to say I would encourage him to meet up with this girl, but I would really talk to him about what his aversion to girls is, because whether he's queer or not, or just not interested in girls yet, he should have a healthy relationship to girls as people. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. like you don't want your son to only think of girls as future romantic prospects, you know, or future romantic prospects for someone else they're human beings. And so regardless of what his orientation is or how long it takes for him to start having those urges where he wants to be romantic, you know, at this age, he should start having healthy friendships with girls. So I would talk to him about his aversion and ask him honestly what he is afraid of, you know, beyond just it being a setup, but like, what's the worst case scenario? Are you afraid to turn this girl down? Do you think people will make fun of you? Do a little cost-benefit analysis on having a a female friend, you know, and one who seems to know a lot of people. Um, I would also discourage him from missing out on activities with his friends that he would have done out of fear of a setup, you know? I mean, it is possible that this girl will pop up somewhere on you, and that's not the worst thing that could happen. You know, if somebody makes advances towards you or approaches you romantically, you have the autonomy to say, hey, I think you're great. I'm just not really interested. You know, my parents don't let me date yet. You can always use that as a cop out, you know, Um, or you could say I'm not ready for this, you know, but I think it is for a 13 year old boy, probably easier to use the parents as a cop out and say, you know, my parents don't let me date. I just don't want to cause any trouble When I would have some serious conversations with him about the importance of friendship between boys and girls, you know, and and how special they can be and how, you know, life changing they can be and long lasting and, you know, how girls are so much more than just people you may want to date one day.
1: Yeah, totally. And also having a conversation about this notion that that gay is still being used as a slur and talk about that and talk, talk about like, if you don't, if you're not interested in this girl, that's fine. Um, like, let's think of like what we can say to her. Like if she is like, do you want to be my boyfriend? Um, like that, that is an awkward thing to navigate for an eighth grader. And so maybe you could do some, some role playing even like, Hey, um, actually I'm, I would just love to be friends like there's nothing like you were saying Jamila there's absolutely nothing wrong with that it's a conversation that needs to be had you with your kid but also your son with with this girl because you can't put your life on pause in eighth grade
0: that's great advice about making sure that we don't just associate whoever right with these romantic relationships that there is this opportunity to have it be a friendship or a an intro to a new social group, like there's a lot of benefits that could be benefits to this, right? Just because it's scarier what your friends are are saying. I was thinking a lot about, I had the interview with Chris Baum about the his book, The Magic of Middle School. Um, And he has like a great newsletter and a whole bunch of resources if you follow him about this kind of stuff with middle schoolers and how you as a parent are transitioning from – being a guide and not a boss. And I I do sense from the letter a little bit, like, you wish you knew the girls' family so you could, like, step in. But the thing is, like... In eighth grade, he needs to figure out how to deal with these awkward things on his own. And so I think what you need to be is that guide. So having these conversations that um, Jamila is talking about, encouraging him that you can't avoid these situations. You can't just run and hide from them, but role playing, how can we deal with this? I think that you're doing a great job of making sure the lines of communication are open. Like the fact that he'll tell you what's going on is kind of the most important part of this. But you're not going to be able to solve this for him, nor do I think you should. Um, There's just a lot of learning opportunities for him and his friends at this age by figuring this out. I do think like if you're worried about the social stuff, Can you encourage him at all to use your house as a safe space, right? So like, can the friends come there to build up those relationships so that maybe he feels more confident in going out um, where he might encounter this girl, right? Because maybe he feels like, I don't even really have anyone in my corner if I go out to like, turn her down or or whatever that's going to look like. So is there a way for you to encourage some of that social growth here in your own home in a place where he feel safe but i i really just encourage you to to think about how to guide him and be there for him as he makes these these decisions and choices and listen to him and affirm how he's feeling because all of these are really valid feelings i, I mean I feel like as adults, we've all had situations we don't want to go to because we might see someone and have these awkward conversations. And so learning in eighth grade, how I can pump myself up to just do it, face it and have it be over is a wonderful gift you can give him versus like if you somehow try to solve this problem for him. You have taken away his opportunity at this age that that Chris really talks about being the age where what they're supposed to be doing is figuring out the social stuff like that is what middle school is for. That is why it's awkward. Um, And and so encouraging him to do that now and face the awkwardness and survive it and know that it's it's going to be okay and that you're going to be there for him no matter what. Well said. Well, navigating the social maze, we appreciate your question. Please keep us posted. If any of our listeners have faced similar challenges, have kids going through this, we would, of course, love to hear from you. You can drop us a line at momanddadatslate.com or leave a voicemail at 646-357-9318. Please subscribe to our show, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. It helps us grow our little community. This episode of Mom and Daughter Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Zach Rosen and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.